The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James is going to be breaking down your latest Farm Futures article today. Uh, maybe talking about some prospects who are getting the call on the you know unrelated to your article, but some guys who are making their debut soon and uh, could make an impact on your fantasy team. But first, just how you doing today, James? I'm doing all right. I have not finished today's article so kind of under a time crunch right now but yeah let's let's bang this thing out absolutely just want to say that we had our first show on the mlb network radio that was awesome it was fun hosting with you be sure to check us out again this week seven to eight eastern uh it's it's seven to eight this week right because some days yeah, some weeks it's, it's gonna be seven to eight this week and i think it's six to seven the next two weeks sweet well if you have something going on on Saturdays, and I can't imagine you'd have anything better going on. But if you do, you can check us out on demand. SiriusXM on demand with the app. It's really good stuff. Uh, and, and feel free to call in, too, because we didn't get much 
we didn't get many calls last week. We'd be happy to take some uh, this week in future weeks. But James, your latest article is entitled "Everyone's Favorite Type of Prospect," and I read most of the article, at least what you have uh, here uh, for me to see. And uh, it's interesting that you you kind of break down that everyone's favorite type of prospect is a hitting prospect who's close to the majors. Can you just kind of explain why that is? Well, it's just, it's the one type of prospect I've never heard people complain about, really. Like, people, there's certain people that look at my list and just immediately click the hitter tab to exclude Mm. all pitchers because they don't, they're not interested in pitching prospects. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like to roster uh, catchers, which I, which I get. Um, People, some people just say, give me the guys that have the highest ceiling. And, that's sort of a false reality just in in and of itself. Like a lot of the guys that are first round picks in fantasy now would not have been guys that had a high ceiling tag as prospects. So uh, you're kind of chasing something that's sort of mythical and makes you feel great. Like, oh, this guy's got so much upside. But uh, if you ignore players like Alex Bregman as a prospect or Jose Ramirez as a prospect, uh, I think that that's a mistake. And then lots of people just don't like to wait three or four years on certain types of prospects. But pretty much everyone is open to rostering a hitter at double A AA or triple A who they think could be an uh, impact pick leader. Yeah, and especially in this kind of environment, I get the people who don't really want to hear anything about pitching prospects because, good Lord, everybody's getting destroyed. James, how are your ratios doing in your leagues? Uh, it's, it's a constant struggle. I had, uh, Steven Matz going in, uh, the champs league last night. Ugh, so I had him going in a couple too. That, uh, I just was in a really sour mood after that, that happened. <laughs> I, I took it out on my landlord. Like I, I had, uh, I was doing, we have, we don't have in unit washer dryer at my apartment. And so I was doing a load of laundry, like directly after I saw that he got lit up, uh, and the laundry machine ate my quarters, and I quickly fired off a, a very, uh, <laughs> very fiery email to my landlord that had 99% to do with the Stephen Matz outing. And they probably, it's like probably the first time in three years I've ever been rude to the landlord. And <laughs> it was solely because of Stephen Matz. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I feel like I'm probably doing okay uh, relative to a lot of people. The the nice thing about this is like if you just have a mild blow up outing, like your guy gives up four runs in five innings, something like that. Yeah, like Mally. It's it's not going to hurt your your standings points really at all because everyone's dealing with that stuff. So it's just those those horrific ones, like six earned runs in less than an inning for for Matts. Like that's that's going to set you back. He didn't even record an out, did he? I don't think he got an out. Yeah, I I. You might be bad. right about that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Tyler Malley start last night gave up like 11 hits. But I was like, well, it's not that bad <laughs> relative to what others are dealing with, what I'm dealing with in other leagues. But, yeah, a landlord catching the brunt of that Stephen Matz frustration. I think my my gut took the brunt of it. I just ate my sorrows away. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty bad. Thankfully, I actually sat him down in one league, so that it could have been worse. But, you know, with pitching getting blown up, I could get the idea that you don't want to stash and then – um, wait on, on some top prospects. You know, I guess guys like Whitley are um, exceptions, but a lot of top prospects in, in redraft not really worth the uh, the stash, the, the bench spot for when they do come up. But a lot of these hitters that you mentioned here in the article 
could have a redraft value, and they're kind of behind those obvious names who should be coming up soon. Yeah, I think some of the guys I mentioned at the top here are, you know, universally owned in, in RDI-sized leagues, but uh, I know that there are people that listen that play in leagues where only like 40 or 50 prospects are rostered, something like that. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't just go straight to the guys that are way outside my top 100. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's this is kind of the time when you have to start adding these guys because, you know, I still don't trust the sample at all. I mean, it's it's only been two weeks, really. But if you wait until we get a big enough sample to get an idea of whether these changes and, and improvements are real, then the, these guys are going to be long gone. So if you're looking to add someone that's off to a hot start, I think you can kind of just jump the gun and add them. And then if it ends up being, you know, BS, then you can just drop them in a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, I made an ad of, of a couple of these guys in some leagues already. So I think a lot of these guys are going to be out there in leagues where around 300 prospects are rostered. Interesting. And then you make a good point just about the fab process. We can't ever really wait for evidence. You just got to pounce, see plausible upside and, and try to get somebody who can help you. Because if you wait for that, sample to and the numbers to stabilize you're going to be too late that's kind of an interesting part of fab it's it's a different kind of game than you know the the fantasy baseball game you play in draft season but let's start with the uh the players you got here cole tucker the pirates and i look at their depth chart at, at shortstop eric gonzalez kevin newman's on the il pablo reyes he's buying and i look at a guy like kyle or cole tucker and see yeah, a guy who's pretty appealing, but we've seen this organization slow play prospects. Should uh, his ETA, should expectations about when he arrives be be tempered? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's impossible that we don't see Cole Tucker or Cabrian Hayes at all this season, just given the way that this front office has behaved in the past. But, you know, everyone gets impatient. Everyone kind of wants to stick up for themselves and I'm sure this Pirates front office is getting all kinds of heat for that that Chris Archer trade and you know it's a really competitive division uh it wouldn't be that surprising I don't think for uh Cole Tucker to get the call this summer especially since like right now he's probably their best option at shortstop at the big league level and right now Cabrian Hayes is probably their best option at third base at the big league level so while you know they they love preaching patience, I could see, you know if these guys are, are performing well in June or July, maybe they just kind of break from uh, tradition and call these guys up this summer. Cole Tucker specifically, I think, would be a big help to them. They you know he's a, he could be a plus defender at shortstop for fantasy purposes. It's it's the steals that are really intriguing. He could be a twenty to twenty five steal guy. Uh, double-digit homers, probably not, probably never a twenty homer guy, or at least definitely not a twenty-five homer guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, but uh, yeah, it's it's the stolen bases that we're after. He's hitting for a ridiculously high average now. That's going to come down, but his line drive rates up, and he's even dealing with a unsustainably high infield fly ball rate, which will which will kind of help keep the average in a decent range. So uh, I think he's going to be like a two sixty-five hitter in the big leagues at some point. So definitely a guy that i think should be appealing to people in most formats yeah i'm looking here right now the numbers according to his milb page 340 411 560 that's really impressive 
a couple of homers, and he had 35 steals last year, 47 the year before. Uh, that's that's very appealing in today's environment. Now, another guy with a lot of speed is Jorge Mateo, and I know you've uh, liked his skill set for a while. Uh, line drive rate's just absurd right now, almost 40%. But where, where's the path for, for Jorge Mateo to the big league level? So he is kind of competing to be the next man up. Marcus Semien and Jerks, Jerks and Profar aren't going anywhere anytime soon. They're both under team control through the 2020 season. Wouldn't be surprised if they work out some sort of a extension with one of those guys. And, and they're both really good players, so I wouldn't expect either of them to ever lose the job due to performance. But if someone were to get hurt, uh, you know, that could be it could be Matt Chapman even who gets hurt. Maybe they move Jerickson Profar over to third. So like if any of those three guys left uh, right of first base get hurt, then maybe Jorge Mateo passes Franklin Barreto on the organizational depth chart and gets a shot that way. Mateo also would have the potential to develop into a really good center fielder, just given his speed. So that might be another avenue, but uh, I think his defense at shortstop is good enough that I don't think you want to move him anytime soon. So maybe, maybe he needs a trade, maybe he needs an injury, but it's just really encouraging seeing the way he started this season. Yeah, Profar is kind of interesting because he's only under control through, what, 2020? Yep. Is that right? Yeah, he's been off to a pretty miserable start, 181, 231, 319. No, no real chance that they pull the plug there, right? But um, No, I don't I think mean, so. maybe like mid-season if he's – hasn't really turned it around, but uh, yeah, I mean they're, they're going to give him a long leash. But there, there are other avenues for Jorge Mateo. What about Jake Fraley? We were talking off air yesterday just about their depth chart and what we wanted to do because they got a kind of a glut. At uh, least you know first base DH and uh, Bruce can play the outfield, of course, too, and just not a you know not a lot of spots for as many capable bats as they have. So where does Fraley fit in? Uh, he's going to be a plus center fielder so I think he's going to eventually push Malik Smith to a bench roll and you know Smith's been off to a bad start he's not even that good of a defender even with his speed like that's just kind of the confusing thing about him and part of why I think Tampa Bay was happy to cash him out this past offseason uh, he just kind of seems like a fourth outfielder to me I've never been that high on him but Jake Fraley I mean he could be a plus center fielder he's got 70 grade speed so you're not losing much from a speed standpoint if you go from Smith to Fraley Fraley just hits everything hard he hits it to all fields a uh, little bit old for double a but that's largely due to injuries early in his pro career he was a college pick out of LSU in 2016 so I'm not worried about his age relative to level I think he probably gets the bump up to triple a in a month or two and might might even get a cup of coffee in the big leagues this summer yeah Malik Smith has been pretty bad I'm wondering when you know I think the first thing to fall would be the leadoff spot he's still leading off as of yesterday I think but uh probably fall in the order then yeah maybe fall out of a a full-time role uh you never want to blindly trust an organization's assessment. The Rays certainly haven't had all hits. Then they give away Felipe Vasquez and, and, and Herman others. Marquez. Yeah, and Marquez. But at this point, I, I'm close to blindly just following them because they've well, the team Felipe, they have was, right now is just. Dirty. I think Felipe was Felipe Vasquez the Nationals. Oh yeah, I think so. I think it's Marquez. I'm sure they've had some other. They've had some other, but, but like I trust this organization to make right calls. Right, and Zanino. <laughs> I, that, 
like I was watching, I didn't watch a ton of Mariners games uh, the past few seasons, but I've seen a lot of Rays games so far this year. And he's probably my favorite pitch framer in the game because he does it in a way that is not kind of insulting your intelligence. He's not just like whipping the glove back into the zone. He's just got this really uh, just a finesse about the way he frames pitches that I just love. Yeah, I'm not going to, you know, make a hard and fast rule, but if the Rays ship anybody off this next offseason, I'm probably going to be pretty hands-off. Uh, the um, Jake Bowers types. Uh, and if they bring someone in. like Yeah, that's right. Andy Diaz hit, like, three home yeah. runs this year and after Anderson hitting. Garcia has been crushing it. Too. Yeah, like, they they know what they're doing down there. So the Rays, speaking of, they have Brandon Lau, Nathaniel Lowe. They have another one, Josh Lowe. Is that the yeah, Lowe he's, pronunciation? He's uh, Nate Lowe's younger brother, so oh, that's right. a Lowe, not a Lau. Yeah, I was botching that for a while, but now I got myself set straight. So Josh Lowe, um, I know you're high on Nate Lowe. So where does Josh Lowe kind of fit in? How does he compare to, to his brother? Well, they're very different players, uh, especially for brothers that are only two and a half years apart. Nate Lowe, obviously just a first baseman slash DH, uh, not a great athlete, just kind of he looks like a DH. Josh Lowe has plus speed and is a center fielder. It could be a really good defender out there. So, you know, very different players, very different set of skills. And Josh Lowe was the 13th overall pick in 2016, while Nate was the 390th overall pick in 2016. And they're only one level apart while Nate's two and a half years older. So I think they were probably too far apart on my top 400 coming into the year. I haven't uh, moved Josh just yet, but I think I'm going to bump him up uh, probably a little bit inside the top 200 on the next update. And, you know, he's just off to a really good start. Obviously, the, the strikeout rate's high. He's, he's struck out a lot at, at every level he's been at. Um, but he, he walks a decent amount, too. He's uh, just made made a decent amount of improvements with his batted ball profile, at least early in the year. It's it's uh, too early to say that these are legit improvements, but it's it's stuff that's worth noting. And just given his pedigree and his speed and his proximity to the big leagues, I think he's worth picking up in, in most dynasty leagues right now. Very interesting. Well, a quick word from Draft.com. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snakes, snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Drafts last for just one night, and once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. I've been, you know, tinkering around, and I may just have to stay exclusively to draft because God knows I can't uh, win any money on any normal DFS sites. Uh, really hard to differentiate yourself, but I like in draft that everybody has different rosters, so you can kind of, you know, I think the skill aspect um, gets emphasized a little bit more. And you can join me on draft today. Just search draft in your app store or play right from your computer on draft.com. And for a limited time only, all Rotowire Fantasy Baseball podcast listeners get a free entry into a real money draft, a real money baseball draft, and you can make your first deposit. And you have to use my promo code Rotowire. That's right, play a real money game for free just using my promo code Rotowire. And you, when you make your first deposit, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter promo code Rotowire. Now, James, we're all an- anxiously anticipating Vlad Jr.'s call up. 
you know, Bo Bichette may not be too far behind, but there's another guy in here who kind of gets not so much lost in the shuffle, but behind those two, he's kind of the, the third wheel, Kevin Biggio. And you lay out some some numbers here and the differences from 2018 to what he's doing early on in 2019. What's caught your eye the most uh, with these numbers listed here? So two big reasons why I was always pretty low on Biggio coming into this year. Uh, the strikeout rate was just too high for a player his age at, at his levels, 26.3% last year at A as a 23-year-old. And then he was just so pull-heavy, uh, you know, less than 25% of his hits going to the opposite field last year. Just seemed like a guy that was going to strike out a lot and be pretty easy to guard against uh, with defensive alignments. But this year, uh, strikeout rate down from 26 to 15%. He's walking more than he's striking out so far. Uh, he's doubled his line drive rate, and he's hitting over a third of his balls to the opposite field. So he's pretty much improved every aspect of his game that I didn't like. And it's, you know, it's I feel like a broken record. It's too early to say that these are legitimate changes, but my interest is peaked with Biggio. I, I think it's, you know, He's long gone in most RDI-sized dynasty leagues. But he's a guy that I think is should be firmly on the radar for redraft leagues because I think he probably he's going to beat Bo Bichette up to the big leagues this year. And, really? Hmm. Well, you know, one guy's 24 and is raking at AAA, and one guy is 21 and is just doing okay at AAA. And... I don't think they're worried about Kevin Biggio for any kind of service time, Super 2 stuff. He's just not that good of a player to, to worry about that. Uh, so I think I think we probably see Biggio here, uh, you know, within four four to six weeks, something like that. Uh, and if, if he continues to hold these improvements, particularly the strikeout rate, like that's such an, a, a dramatic improvement. Uh, if that turns out to be legitimate and we look up in like early May and, and he's still striking out less than 20% of the time, then uh, then I think he, he becomes pretty interesting as a stash candidate. Nice. So, well, our 18-team stake league stash-worthy? You got the stash? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going there yet. Yeah, I might. Uh, hey. Hey, I got – well, once I get some of the guys that are hurt on my bench up into my active roster, then I can sum out some of the just god-awful players – that I have in my active lineup for some stash candidates like this. Um, James, you mentioned RDI, and you, you and Ian pulled off a pretty big trade this week, getting Max Scherzer in a deal, and you said it was hard to part with the the key piece going back for Scherzer and, and Otani. Why was that so hard? Uh, I think that he's a monster hitter and a monster pitcher, and I think that... Ian probably feels strongly, more strongly about this than I do. I don't really have a strong opinion about it, but he thinks that CBS and just all the commissioner services are going to figure out a way to reward people for Otani's hitting and his pitching. And if that were the case, we could be talking about the number one player in fantasy if they if they find a way to reward. You know, you're not. It, it wouldn't be fair, I don't think, to reward his hitting on the days he pitches because then people are going to start complaining about their pitchers not getting um, counted. But if you just reward his hitting on days when he's in the lineup as a hitter and not a pitcher, 
and there's a way to get credit for that and the pitching, I think he's got number one overall player upside. And, and I really do think he's, he's a 30, 30 type of offensive player, uh, maybe even a 40, 30 type of offensive player over a full season's worth of at bats. And then I think he's got top five starting pitcher upside. So it's just so much to dream on. And, you know, a lot of that is tied to whether or not, uh, the commissioner services find a way to reward the hitting and the pitching at the same time. But even if they don't, I still think, you know, three years from now, I think Otani's going to be going higher in drafts as a pitcher than Scherzer will be. So it's, it is, it is kind of a short term move to me. Uh, but we also got Aaron Hicks in that deal, which made it palatable. We would not have done Scherzer for Otani straight up. Really? Uh, wow. but, you know, getting Hicks, who I thought was a good buy low, just given the back injury, you know, a guy that I thought was a borderline top 100 keeper coming into the year, uh, that made it stomachable. You know, even if Scherzer falls off in a year or two, we will at least have Hicks going forward. Yeah, I know Ian has Otani ranked a couple spots higher than Scherzer, but I am a little surprised to hear that you wouldn't have done that without Hicks, just given where you're at as a really competitive team and uh, kind of needing another piece to get over the hump. That's interesting. That it really is. And uh, the Otani question is a big one facing fantasy. And I know Chris Liss has been lobbying to have commission services count both, but I think it's tough unless you do like a daily daily moves league because um, I, I feel like you should have to choose whether to deploy him as a pitcher or a hitter, not just get both. But if it's a weekly league, that's you know that hurts his appeal quite a bit. Well, but if – like – I guess my argument to you having to choose, he's the only guy that is getting played regularly when he's not pitching. Like, he's that good at both things. Like, th- this is not just a pitcher who's a good hitter for a pitcher. He's just so good at hitting that he would be a, a top 25 hitter probably just without the pitching. And I, I think that if the Angels get all that value, I don't see why fantasy owners shouldn't get all that value too. Well, there is value in being able to choose, well, am I going to use him as a hitter or a pitcher? I don't know. It's tough. It's a really tough question because then, as you kind of alluded to, what do you do about all the other pitchers who can hit a little bit and two-way players as they become more prevalent think, in the game? I think you should – all two-way guys should eventually count for both. Uh, without you having to decide, but non-two-way guys, I, I don't think any pitcher should ever get rewarded for what they do as a hitter in their starts. So I think that that just kind of squashes that whole thing. Like you're not getting Otani's home runs in days he pitches, uh, but and you're not getting Madison Bumgarner's home runs in days he pitches. But on days he doesn't pitch, you can get him because he's good enough to be in the lineup without it being his turn to pitch. So I feel like there's if a player just from a talent standpoint is that damn good, like I don't see why you should have to choose on days when they're not pitching. Hmm. But I mean that it's a tough question. Yeah. I can see both sides of the coin. I mean, you make a good point. It's just, yeah, it's tough. I could see, you know, if they do do that, people crying foul. Like, oh, I traded Otani in my dynasty. Like I didn't know I was going to get that'll, yeah, that'll definitely happen for yeah. sure. Like if, if they end up do, if they do end up changing that, a lot of people will be, upset but i think a lot of people would just be excited i think it would kind of inject uh you know just be fun that that first year that you knew it was going to happen like trying to decide where you take otani in a draft you know like if 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 you know going into the year 
yeah. Could be so. number one. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I may have to pick up Michael Lorenzen now, just as a, you know, a couple <laughs> years out. A couple years out. I was actually, this is a sidebar, and people probably turn off the pod right now, but I was livid yesterday. I was about to blow a gasket. Bases loaded for the Reds. Tyler Malley had given up nine hits over three innings. Bases loaded, two outs, and they had Malley hit for himself. Down down 4-1. It's like, if you don't have length in the bullpen, if this is a, a length issue, then get get somebody who can provide some length. Like, good God. You can't have Tyler Malley hitting there. It just blew my mind. Anyway, Dylan Carson of the Cardinals, one of the youngest hitters um, at AA, at the AA level. How's he doing so far? Uh, he's, well, I, I put this chart in, or uh, this um, table in this article, and it has the six youngest hitters at Double A, and the other five guys are all either in the top 100 or, or just outside the top 100. And Carlson, who is outside the top 200, has by far the best strikeout rate of the bunch. He's at 13.6%. Uh, he's walking more than anyone except for Hudson Potts of this group of six guys. And he's doing, you know, he's hitting for a little bit of pop. Uh, you know, this isn't a guy that's got just outstanding tools. He, he's not a plus runner. He doesn't have super loud raw power. Uh, but he could be kind of the sum of the parts type of guy, a guy that could maybe lead off down the road. And just really impressive to see him get off to a strong start at double A, given, given how young he is. A real quick uh, pause here to bring you a message from our sponsor, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. America's pastime is back, the smell of the grass, the crack of the bat, and now that sensation of money burning a hole in your pocket. Just play Yahoo Daily Fantasy and find a baseball contest that's right for you. Go head-to-head against a friend or find someone online. With Quick Match, you'll go up against another player of your skill level. Play for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee. You keep 100% of your winnings or play in groups for a larger pot and bigger bragging rights and guaranteed prize pool contests. Every day there's a no-management-fee contest, meaning we take nothing and all players have a better chance to win. And for you really obsessive fans out there, you can set up a league that could span anywhere from two contests to an entire season. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is easy to play. Just deposit some cash, choose a game, and get to winning. So come make a deposit and get started. Use promo code ROTO25 for $25 in free play with your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy today. You could be celebrating tonight. James, back to your article. Uh, Sean Murphy was a player who kind of even had some like redraft buzz just as a guy who, you know, desperation, second catcher, looking for some upside. Maybe he gets the call at some point. Um, Josh Fagley's been, you know, hitting the ball pretty well, but do you see Sean Murphy maybe forcing his way up maybe by midsummer? Yeah, I, I think he's going to be Oakland's primary catcher by June or July. He's uh, the the glove is probably always going to be ahead of the bat, but that's not the end of the world. That means he's going to play a ton, and he is walking almost fourteen percent of the time so far this year, which is not a part of his game that I really thought would show up like this. So maybe it's just a lot of noise, and he'll be back down to to where he's always been in in a week or two, but. Uh, he's you know he's he's having a really really strong start to the season, and that's what he needed to do to to force a, a call up this summer. 
Miles Straw of the Astros, another name that just kind of was on the periphery in spring training. I remember he was competing for a role, maybe in AL only. He had some appeal. And um, this team, this one's a really hard team to crack. And they're on, what, like 11-game winning streak, 10 games? Uh, the Astros are absolutely rolling right now. Does Miles Straw find himself uh, with a role in Houston? Uh, he's kind of in the same boat as Jorge Mateo, where it's just it's tough to see how he gets in there without an injury. But he started to work at shortstop this year. They've got an obvious logjam that we've talked about quite a bit in, the, in their outfield, so this makes some sense. Uh, and Oledmus Diaz is like the only... <laughs> The only true middle infielder they're carrying besides the the starters i know tony kemp can play a little second base but uh, you know it wouldn't be surprising to me if miles straw shows that you know if he can handle shortstop just a, just a little bit uh, then he can probably handle second base as well and he can obviously handle the outfield uh he could look like a better option than led miss diaz on that bench at some point this year and he's got impact speed he you know, I love the way that he plays the game. Like he just is going 100 miles an hour all the time on the bases, and we saw that a lot down the stretch last year when he came up when rosters expanded. He, you know, the the big thing with him and why I've always been sort of low on him is he was just always happy to just poke singles into right field, and that's just not going to equate to an everyday player on a team like the Astros. He needs to do a little bit more damage with the bat. And so far he has, uh, he has, uh, let's see, six extra base hits in 12 games at AAA this year after having just 13 extra base hits in 66 games at AAA last year. So almost halfway to matching his extra base hit total uh, of a year ago, and we're only two weeks into the season. So that's a really encouraging sign. And if he kind of keeps that up, then all of a sudden – the bat might be able to play anywhere because he, he's always had really good contact skills. The speed is is definitely an asset for him. He's the type of guy that's going to be good at bunting for a hit. And if he if he just shows a modicum of pop, I think that the, uh, the stock is going to be way up on straw just given the speed. Very interesting. Now we talked about the Pirates a little bit earlier, the left side of that infield, and they got some some issues in the outfield as well. You know, Dickerson on the IL with, with Polanco as well. Brian Reynolds, a guy who had double A, is you know doing pretty well. But does he have the skill set worth speculating on? He's at triple A. Oh, uh, this is you know he, he's not he's kind of a boring player just from a tools standpoint. But he also has hit at least three hundred two with a WRC plus uh, of one twenty two or, or higher at every league he's played in, which is not something a lot of hitting prospects at AAA can claim. So uh, he's hitting for a lot more power than he has in past seasons. It's probably unsustainable to a degree, but it's it's encouraging because he probably isn't a good enough defender to play center field. He definitely doesn't have the arm for right field, so it's going to be left field or bust for Reynolds most likely, and he's going to need to be a close to a 20-homer hitter to, to profile out there. So... The fact he's already got four home runs to start the season is encouraging. I think he's also a guy that I think you could scoop up in, in leagues like RDI. During that Red Series against the Dodgers, I was watching, and they had Rocky Gale behind the plate. Um, that's a that's a scrubby quad A type if I've ever seen one. 
But, you know, they still have Austin Barnes, who we like, and Russell Martin on the DL right now, IL. Um, Smith, not Will Smith, not really a player you've been high on, but do you see him maybe coming up and, and maybe working himself into a timeshare behind the plate? Maybe. He's, he's kind of the catching version of Kevin Biggio, where everything I've hated about him, he's stopped doing it this year, and he's using the whole field. He's walking way more than he's striking out. That's probably noise to, to some extent, but if if the strikeout rate does get down to around 20%, then that's that's a lot more encouraging. And, yeah, I think that we probably see him, I don't know, maybe like July, something like that. I, you know, I don't, I think that this team, when's, you know, when's Russell Martin back? I think, I think He's slow to progress. I've heard, you know, He's may, not progressing as he'd hoped. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he could be up earlier than that. I mean, Smith's probably better than Rocky Gale. Uh, Smith's a really good defender. And I think that the Dodgers were going to be fine this year, just just leaning on Austin Barnes and Russell Martin for most of the season. But yeah, maybe maybe if Martin just if this ends up being kind of a lost season for him, then maybe Smith's up sooner than that. I, I think he would still struggle a little bit against big league hit, uh, pitching. I mean, you can't expect a catching prospect, really any catching prospect, uh, but you know, especially one that wasn't just a surefire top one hundred guy. You can't expect that player to to just come in and have success at, as a hitter right away against big league pitching but you know i'm in a situation in tgfbi champs league where i just added blake swihart over the weekend Ooh. and plugged him in for uh martin maldonado who i dropped and yeah that's that's why i'm in the champs league for for genius <laughs> genius plays like that and yeah, it could work long term though. Like, probably, he's probably <laughs> land with a team that'll play him. <laughs> yeah, if he if if Blake Swihart latches on with the Rockies and starts playing every day, that'd be great. Hey, the O's. I'd <laughs> um, be the best hitter on that team. Yeah, he'd be like the number three hitter. Uh, but I mean, like if Will Smith was up right now, I, I'd probably throw a one dollar bet at him in the, in the Champs League, just given how horrible my number two catcher spot has been this year so yeah i think in in certain leagues he he could be interesting if he comes up you know i got too cute in one league in one league i have barnes omar narvaez and williams Astadio subbed out subbed out narvaez seeing a catcher homer on your bench (laughs) is just brutal now james you talked a lot on this podcast over the years about how you're a hit tool guy uh, you favor players and prospects with good hit tools. Nicky Lopez, talk about bat-to-ball abilities. really struck out, I mean, hardly at all, only once as of the writing of this, 44 plate appearances. So um, how how high are you on Nicky Lopez given the, the hit tool? Uh, he's <laughs> he's maybe an exception to, to my love of hit tools just because I I really don't, think i think it's gonna just be a really really empty average but uh you know he's he does have some speed he's got above average speed he doesn't really run that much which which kind of sucks i'd like to see you know if you're a 55 runner i'd like you to be attempting at least 20 steals per season and that really hasn't been his game necessarily but he could be a you know like a 12 steal guy maybe in the big leagues and in that lineup with those plate skills, maybe he could eventually lead off for them. I guess that that would be kind of the the hope with 
a guy like Lopez is that he's just got such a good approach that you have to hit him lead off. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to point this out. I, I don't really think anything about his dynasty league value has changed, but Chris Owings has been off to a really bad start and Lopez is probably better than Owings in all facets of the game, except maybe like hitting for power and batting practice or something like that. So I think, I think we could see Lopez up pretty soon, although I don't necessarily think that would make him 15 team league relevant. Is he kind of the next man up behind Mondesi? Like if Mondesi were to go down? Yeah, but I think the the idea is that you have uh, Merrifield probably in the outfield and then Lopez and Mondesi uh, at the two middle infield spots. Very nice. Now we talked about one Mariners outfielder, Dom Thompson-Williams, not a player I know much about. What can you tell me about Thompson-Williams? He was one of the uh, pieces that the Mariners got back along with Justice Sheffield and Eric Swanson in the James Paxton trade. He had, you know, he was drafted like five years ago, a lot of tools, plus power, above average speed, uh, just a really raw player. Took him a while. He, I, you know, I mentioned with Fraley, Fraley's at double A and he's, he's about to turn 24, but it's not really his fault. He dealt with a lot of injuries. Thompson is 24 and he's at double A and, and he needed this much time to be ready for that level. So uh, kind of a red flag just in terms of, you know, we're usually not interested in 24 year olds at double A, but he's really cut down his strikeout rate so far this season. He's upped his, his walk rate and just given his power and speed, I think that that's worth keeping an eye on. I think that he could be a 2020 guy this year at double A and eventually he could be a 2020 guy in the big leagues, maybe a, 30 15 guy if everything went perfectly but he really needs to keep that strikeout rate where it is right now he led the yankees system last year i think in in home runs but was striking out 25 percent of the time as a 23 year old at high a if this if this uh improved contact rate is legitimate i think he he becomes pretty interesting now the padres have a glut in the outfield and uh whenever franchi's back that'll be even more crowded but Buddy Reed, an interesting outfield prospect in that organization. How does he compare long term to guys like uh, Fran Mill Reyes and Renfro and others? Uh, he's very different. I think he he's he's a lot like Franchi, except that he's a good defender. Ooh, uh, you got my interest. <laughs> he's another guy, kind of like Dom Thompson Williams, where he was just drafted for his tools. Took a while for everything to. Uh, get to a point where he could handle upper level pitching he was terrible at double a last year as a 23 year old um and has shown some modest improvements this year a lot of what he's doing is is unsustainable but he's he's hitting for a lot more power than he has in the past uh he's got a ton of speed i probably i I don't think he ever is going to hit enough to be an everyday player i think he's kind of a keon broxton type of guy but maybe you know, if he keeps this up, continues to improve on that that strikeout rate, maybe he could be a little bit better than that. What about CJ Chatham here, the Red Sox middle infielder? Um, not a lot in that system. Is he near the top of the cream of the crop in that organization? Well, I compared him to Michael Chavis, and I think for for fantasy, we like Chavis more because he's just got a lot more impact potential with the bat. But for real-life purposes, I think the Red Sox probably prefer Chatham because he can handle both middle infield positions. And 
you know, he, he's always hit for a high average. He is kind of like Fraley in that his career has been uh, really impacted by injuries, which is part of the reason why he's uh, as old as he is at double A. But just his defensive ability, his hit tool, uh, I think that it all adds up to a big leaguer. Maybe it's just a, a bench big leaguer, but uh, it's it's possible he could be their second baseman of the future. Daniel Johnson was a player that I had an RDI Ended up dropping him and well, just throwing him back. Um, he was part of the Jan Gomes trade to the Indians. How much am I going to regret not keeping Daniel Johnson? Uh, this his start to the year is is certainly intriguing. He has so he he walked almost six percent of the time at Double A last year. He's more than doubled that walk rate this year in a return to Double A. And he's almost doubled his fly ball rate, uh, which you rarely see. And obviously, it's coming down. He's, he's got like a sixty-five percent fly ball rate right now, but that would be huge if he all of a sudden is a is a home run threat, uh, a guy that could hit twenty plus homers. Then that that really allows him to profile in right field, where his arm would be a, a big time asset. He's also a a good runner. I mean, he's a guy that has has posted some pretty high stolen base totals in the past so you know this might be a breakout year for daniel johnson the indians have made a lot of trades recently where they're just adding outfield depth to the top of their system and you know i didn't think they got enough back in that yams yan gomes deal but maybe they did maybe they just saw something with johnson that needed tweaking i think he's a guy that might have been dropped in a lot of dynasty leagues that might be go might be worth uh, going to scoop up yeah, I'm interested to see how players like Johnson, how their power plays up at the major league level with this ball because clearly the ball is different. I almost was thinking this last night. I almost think they're going to reverse course and maybe just you know introduce a new batch because the current home run pace is just preposterous. Like uh, the baseball did it after the 2017 season. I could see them kind of be like, all right, we got to get some new balls in here because uh, the offense is is uh, too great right now. Yeah, it, I think it's just it's not that fun when you watch yeah. pitchers like like I, I see like some pitching. Goals. I like I like watching pitching. I like I like it when the pitchers we know are good are good most of the time. <laughs> like yeah. it, it sucks just seeing guys every ace getting rocked. Yeah, like I I don't even have Jack Flaherty anywhere, but he's just you know go like three innings and give up six runs. I've seen that happen multiple times this season, it seems like, and happens to guys that are even better than him. And, yeah, it's it's kind of annoying. Yeah, I mean, I like the long ball. Don't get me wrong, but I like a little balance. You know, the ball's just flying out too willy-nilly. I don't like it. All right, well, you can check out the rest of James's article on the site. Really good stuff, James. We appreciate it. Farm Futures, everyone's favorite type of prospect. Give it a read. James, moving on to our... Next entries into the list of most memorably bad hip hop singles. Uh, this was one that you know, in the grand scheme of things, all the horrible hip hop songs probably wouldn't make it in a vacuum. But I have a personal connection to it, and that's "Juvenile." You understand? Uh, Four Hundred Degrees was an all-time favorite of mine, and this was a really disappointing follow-up. They should have just left this kind of style where you repeat the same thing after every line uh, with you know "ha." Mm-hmm. Should have just left it die there, but they tried to capitalize and continue that. And you understand it was a big letdown, as was the whole um, album 
forget the G code, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, really let down by my my guy Juvenile and Cash Money Records. That was a tough, I mean, a tough album to to follow up. That's for sure. It was. That's true. Uh, but yeah, I I remember thinking the exact same thing when I first heard that song. Like you're just clearly completely jacking the style from Ha with a much worse version of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who's got time for that? Yeah, it was just just let that be. You know, Ha was a great song, but you don't need to make you don't need to carry that gimmick over to every song you make. All right, my submission this week is Uchi Wally by Nas. That's a bad one. That's a bad one. <laughs> That's a real... A real Wasn't, is that featuring somebody? It's featuring Bravehearts. Um, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's it's really bad. Or I think it's QB's Finest was like the album it was off of. That's uh, right, yeah, with the chain. I remember that right. one. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a hit song wasn't wasn't ever good i mean it the the lyrics i i would hope Nas is embarrassed to have been associated with this track it's mm-hmm. it's probably some of his worst work from a lyrical standpoint and just forget about the super lame hook yeah i almost feel bad having juvenile and Nas represented in the same no, week we, we but, keep guys honest yeah we well we've been letting people off the hook like little romeo and others but uh, they'll get their they'll get theirs <laughs> we well i don't i don't have I don't have anything coming for Lil Romeo. Uh, I don't, what? I don't even know any Lil Romeo songs, but um, no. I mean, I would. If, you know, look, if there, if there was a Lil Romeo song <laughs> that I was privy to. That was actually to. memorable. <laughs> yeah. No, I, we're not going to let anyone off the hook in this countdown, but you know, everybody's going to get theirs, and oh, there's, some, there's some names, some really bad artists who are still to come on the countdown. But that'll do it for us on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Talk to you all next Wednesday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.